I've been doing a what if series with you and, and um, really it's, it's really healthy for you to ask questions in your Christian one. You know, what if this, what if that? Just ask them, get in the Bible, see what the Bible says. Uh, today, it's, it's a real simple one. What if really the most important thing we can do, the most significant thing we can do is really just know Jesus? Not know all about Jesus, not know all the rules, not know everything that we need to know as far as do this, do that. But what if the most important thing is just to know him? And if you know him, what does that do? That's really hard for us to grasp because most of us go the opposite way. We, We think people who love God act this way. So then we act this way, we act this way, and then we determine that we love God. And that doesn't work. It doesn't go backwards. You can act like you love God, but if you don't love God, you don't love God. And eventually, it's just a game that you play. And a lot of us in the United States and around the world with the media, etc., we play the game. We like to portray who we are to people rather than who we really are. So, so we try and go things, we try and have a relationship with God, but oftentimes we do it backwards. In 1 John, he says this, in second chapter, and by this, we know that we have come to know him, how, comma, if we keep his commandments. The bottom line really is those people who listen to God and want to listen to God are showing that they actually know him. If you don't know him, you don't listen to him. But, but if you really know him, if you've heard me speak much, I'll tell you, if you're disappointed in God, you don't know him. If you're angry with God, you don't know him. And you would go back and say, you have all these simplistic answers for everything. No, it always starts there. That's where everything starts. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. That's the one you need to know. He knows you. You don't have to spend time explaining yourself to him. You don't have to say, God, I wish you knew my heart. He knows your heart. I wish you understood. No, he knows all that. And he loves you, by the way. He knows that, and he loves you. He made you. He knows you. He doesn't have to work at knowing you. You have to work at knowing him. But once you know him, this is what John says, and by this we know that we have come to know him. Why do we have to know that? Because we can be deceived. You could be sitting in here right now thinking, yes, I'm a good Christian person. I do all these things. I, you know, I don't murder people, and, you know, I'm... I'm Just a nice guy, nice lady. Well, good. Here's the deal, though. What happens is, if we keep his commandments, if we love what God has said, and we start living according to what he said, because we know him, because we trust him, that shows that we actually know him. So the answer, again, is if you're having trouble listening to what God says, or even believing, you've got to get to know him. And, And the only way to get to know him is the same rules as you know people. Spend time with him. Spend time reading, spend time thinking, spend time talking about him. You know, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. See, there's always these, these, these things that we can put into our life to evaluate where we're really at. Here, here's the order again. It says, if we know him, we keep his commandments. But people say, I know him, but don't keep his commandments. What they're really saying is they don't know him. It's interesting because uh, one of, again, the lines that I like talking to people about to get them to think 
if you come to me and you're, you're complaining about life, you know, whatever it might be, I might ask you if you think God loves you. And you'd say yes. And I would say, well, then act like it. See, what I'm saying is if you really think he loves you, there should be a way that you act in accordance with it. So my question is, do you think he loves you? Now, I say that with that little question rather than giving you a lecture every time, but it's wondering. Uh, or somebody come and say, I'm so worried about the future. I might say, do you trust God? You go, of course I do. Then act like it. Just act like you trust God. If you really trust him, then you're going to act like you trust him. If you're confused, you're going to act confused. I get it. But, but see, the answer for life is not to try and come up with more rules or, or procedures. It's coming to know God and, and knowing him in a way where it actually affects how you live. Because knowing people, knowing God, does affect how you live. That's how we were made. We are made to be relational. Uh, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So, so when I listen to God, because I know him and I want to listen to him, what God does is perfect what he's doing through me. So, so when I, you know, if my job is to tell you that God loves you, and, I, and I'm walking with God, and I enjoy God, and I'm listening to him, then he uses me to accomplish his work. So he does that. He doesn't use us to do his work if we don't know him and don't love him and don't walk with him. I mean, he doesn't do that. I mean, so I, I could ignore God and not know who he is and then say, God, I really wish you would use my life. Some of you might be in a position where you're going, you know, God, I really want you to use me. I really want to, I, I, in the future, I'd love to know that I made an impact in the world. My advice is get to know God. Just If you don't know anybody else in the world, if you don't know anyone else in the universe, know God. Know him. Why? Because as you know him, you'll love him. As you love him, you'll obey him. And as you obey him, he'll use you. Now, he may use you in all different ways. I mean, look at the apostles and look at the different ways he used guys like Stephen and, and guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and Noah. He used them all differently. And when they were building the temple, he had artisans that came, and, and they were skilled in gold and, and, and putting you know, gold on cedar or something. I have no idea what they were gifted at. But they, they were gifted at all those things, and they built this gorgeous temple. And, and God used them. And, and then when God uses you in life, when he allows you to be a part of what he's doing, you have this tremendous feeling of satisfaction and significance. Because the God of the universe is using you and you know who he is. But if you don't know who he is, then it's always a burden to listen to God. If you don't know God, it's a burden. Now, if I came to you and I asked you to do something and you knew I was 100% right, and more than that, you knew that my only concern was your good, that, that every time I talk to you, if that's, if that's what you really understood, if every time I talk to you, I'm only concerned for your good. And I really knew what I was talking about, those factors in there, like God would. You'd be a fool not to listen, wouldn't you? Now, I'm Dave, so I don't always know that. You know, I'm not God, but God does, and he's in that position where... Once you know that about him, and he says, this is how I meant it to be for you, you start putting your life in line with that. That's what you do. You put your life in line with it. You go, oh, yeah, why? And, and it could be a simple answer, because I know God, and he said to. And whenever I listen to God, because I know who he is, I know his character, I know about 
whenever I listen to them. It works out. It always works out. But whoever keeps his word is in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way which he walked. This is a very common sense passage. If you claim to love God, you act like you love God. If you claim to trust God, you act like you trust God. If you say that God is God and you know what he says, you listen to what he says. That's all. That's all it's saying. So the issue then becomes something you can actually deal with. If you are not doing those things, you're not wanting to follow God, you think it's burdensome, the problem isn't that you need more rules or more enforcement. The problem is you don't know God. So go back and open your Bible, get to know who he is, spend time with him, and eventually when God says something, you're going to go, that is a great idea, and God will just smirk a little or smile because he's thinking you said he had a good idea. When he has better than good ideas, all his ideas are always right. So it's one of those things where feel free to say it, but one of those things you'll find out is that he always loves you, always does what's right, never made a mistake yet. So why wouldn't you adjust your life according to this? Now, what's interesting about this, if you know what goes on in 1 John 1, all right, we're being told that, oh, yeah, you know, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just for your sins. So, so in 1 John, it's saying, oh, you know what? It'd be great if you don't sin. I mean, that'd be a great thing. But, but because you're human, you're going to sin. When you sin, though, when you sin, here's, here's what you need to understand. Call it sin. That's what the first chapter is about. Don't keep saying that's not sin. Call it sin. You say, I don't feel sorry. It doesn't say feel sorry for your sins. It says confess your sins right there. What you need to do is start agreeing with God. The only way you agree with God is get to know who he is. As you know who he is, you say, okay, I, I differ from you, God, and God smiles, and you go, okay, then I'm wrong. Okay. That's the confession part. 1 John 2, 1 and 2, ahead of that, it said, My little children, that little phrase before the verse that I just gave you now, to put it in context, is, is, is John being able to look at people and say, My little special ones, my, the people I care about deeply. There's a term of endearment. This isn't talking to little kids. It's, an, it's, it's John being able to say, You know what? I want you to understand something. You're very, very, very important to me. Now, if somebody knows what they're talking about, and they tell you they're important, you're important to them, and they want to help you, and they, they put themselves in a position to help you, you'd be foolish not to listen to them. He said, my little children, I'm writing these things to you, so what? So that you may not sin. Remember, that comes after the first chapter where it's talking about you have... You know, and then he goes right away before, again, the passage that I read before. He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So, so if you know God, you know this. If you know God, here's what you know for sure. You know that God does not desire to punish you. That's what you know about him. That's not his desire. So, so if you get punished by God... It's not like, oh, you know, he's waiting in heaven for me to step out of wine so he can strike me at lightning. You think God has any pleasure in that? 
So he doesn't. I'm writing you so you don't sin. But if you do sin, if, if you do because you're human, if you don't listen to God for some reason, remember this. Remember, you have an advocate. Jesus. You know, my dad used to explain it very simply where Jesus was standing next to God and as you do wrong, God would see it. And Jesus would say, remember God, I paid for that. Done. Paid for. I paid for that. God goes, you're right, son. You see, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus. When you understand that, you, you know, if you go through all the major religions of the world, God is an angry God that they need to somehow uh, appease. The God of the Bible is not an angry God that needs appeasing. He's a loving God that wants you to live the way you were intended to live. That's a whole different contrast. And that's when you start talking worldview and understanding. It. It's a very simple premise. But there are many, many major religions of the world where they sit in fear constantly because there's no possible way that they could ever please the God in their religion. There's no way to do it. So God is always angry with them. And then there are many people that are claiming to be Christians that honestly believe that God is just waiting to punish them if they step out of line. You need to read 1 John. Because it's not that he wants us to sin, but we have to understand when we do, we have an advocate. We can confess our sins. That's who God is. That's his heart. He wants us to be right, not wrong. So wanting us to be right means I'm going to give you a way to get right. I'm going to give you that way. Yeah, but I've been wrong for so long. He knows that. He loves you. Confess it. Let's go forward. He said, I don't think he can uh, forgive me. And I would tell you that you don't know who he is. Because he... He's capable. He tells us that. In fact, he tells us that when we confess our sins, we're separated to him as far as the east is from the west. I think it's Psalm 103. God is not like a human. You get to know him. You realize that when you come to him, all he wants to do is help you get where you belong. He doesn't want to punish you. In fact, when you sin, you choose not to listen to God. You're punishing yourself. God isn't. You want to not listen to God? You punish yourself. He'll go on being God. It's not like people here, if, if for some reason through the years we've had to send somebody home, they just don't listen. It's like, you know, Dave sent me home. Dave didn't send me, you home. You went home because you don't want to listen. Oh, you're blaming me? Yes, I am, because think of the alternative. If you listened, you wouldn't be going home. That's how simple that was. <laughs> yeah, but I feel better blaming you. Of course you do. Let's blame God for our sin, too. Let's blame those who, who are giving us an opportunity to do right. It's their problem when we don't do right. That doesn't make any sense at all. We can't keep blaming other people for our own actions. We can't blame God for our actions. God says, look, I don't want to punish you. I actually want to give you life the way it was meant to be. I actually want you in heaven with me for eternity. I want you to love people. I want you to be nice. That's what I want. Yeah, well, God, I'm not, and it's all your fault. And God might look at us and go, what are you talking about? Because you ignore me, it's my problem. I guess he can make us so he can't ignore him, I guess. But he hasn't chosen to do that. John wants us to know you're separated from the world, but you are more valuable in the sight of God than the great world with its vanities, which are all destined to perish.
know, he wants us to know that, yeah, the world, it was created for you. Don't worship the world. You're the important part. You know, when I walk around, now, this is uh, raspberry, blackberry season, so I, I walk around, I find berries. And uh, when I find them, I'm in the woods there by myself, and normally I have a conversation with God. Like, oh, God, look at what you did here. Look at this berry right down the throat. Very good. You know, it's so fun to see what God does on this earth to take care of his children. Not to see the world as something we worship or something we adore. We worship God. And every time we see something, a, a beautiful sunset, beautiful sunrise, we, our mind turns to who God is if you're healthy. John wants us to know that. You know, in life there are soldiers and students and saints, people who come to Christ. Here's what you really need to understand. On day one, if you're a soldier, let's say you enlist in the uh, army and you become a, a soldier. You are a soldier. Now, if you've been in the army for 40 years and you're a general, you are a soldier. So you have the same title. However, the word soldier has a little different meaning for both of them. One is just starting boot camp. One is a general over all the armed forces in the world of the United States. That's a different meaning, but it's the same word, soldier. Likewise with student. Uh, some of you might say I'm a student, and I would be totally foggy as to what you mean at that particular point. Because you could be a freshman student at a college. You could be... A sophomore in a high school, you could be an eighth grader. Yeah, okay, I don't know what you mean by student, but I understand student. I understand. You're going to school, you're student. Same, same thing. As a believer, you know, I, it's one word that tries to cover a lot of things. All of us in this room are at different places in our growth and development. We need to be okay with that idea. We're in different places. But keep developing. Keep getting to know God. Getting to know him more and more and more. Again, read the Bible through every year. Read it through every year. Not necessarily just your devotion. Just read it through every year and, the, and, and have the context. And all of us need to be in a position where every year we get to know him more. And as we grow and develop as saints, pretty soon you're a 40-year-old saint. You know, and, and, and even though you talk about an 8-year-old who is a believer and a a 70-year-old that's a believer, and they're in different places than what they understand. They're still saints. They're still believers. And God is still loving them and moving them along. In other words, God doesn't play favorites necessarily. Those people who listen to him, whether they're older believers or newer believers, that's all he asks. Those people that know him, that's all he asks of you, is to know him today as you can know him and he will reveal himself to you if you're having trouble understanding who he is it could be because you're not even a believer the holy spirit isn't within you revealing things as you read it because god wants you to know him but because he wants you to know him doesn't mean he forces himself upon you when somebody forces themselves upon you that that isn't good that isn't right god wants to know you but you need to allow him to speak to your heart. So pick up the Bible, talk to people who know him, and get to know who he is. Knowing Christ develops us as saints. Philippians 3.8, the, the Apostle Paul goes in the same vein where he says, Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus my Lord. When, when you look at him, he says, you know the most important thing? Knowing God. John, 
You know the most important thing? Knowing God. Oh, not just knowing about him, not just knowing the rules, not just know, but knowing him. Look what these guys went through in the early church. Uh, they went through some really tough times. But knowing God brought them through it. I count everything a loss because it's surpassing worth knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. Everything else in life, I don't even think it's important other than knowing God. I tell you, the greatest tragedy that can ever happen to a person is being separated from God. There is no tragedy in this world, in the universe, greater than separation from God. And it is not his desire to ever be separated from you. So if you're separated from him, it's because of your choices, not his. Again, it puts the responsibility where it belongs. You might be saying, well, I'm waiting for God to hit me over the head with a club. He's capable of doing that. But he probably won't. Because that's not how he works. He doesn't force you to get to know who he is. For this sake... With the Apostle Paul. Now remember who he was. The Apostle Paul was Saul. He was a guy who was very religious. He was, he was doing all kinds of other stuff to keep people from this new Christianity garbage, you know, that he considered. And yet, after he had his conversion on the road to Damascus, this is what he understood. I didn't know God. I didn't know God. Remember when he had that conversion experience? It's, it's like he's down, he's blinded, and all of a sudden a voice, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Exactly. You're this religious guy that knows everything about the rules and stuff, but you don't know who I am. Let me tell you who I am, and, and this is the result. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, come to Moravish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then it's, it's almost like you can hear the desperation in his voice, that I may know him. See, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and sharing the, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death. He didn't even, you know, my sufferings are just going to show the world who he is. That's okay. You know, God, it changes everything uh, about life. And here the apostle Paul saying that's the only thing that's important. John 17, 3, and this, and this is eternal life, comma, that they know you. This is eternal life, that they know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, if this is the most important thing for somebody to do, is know God, I want to promise you Satan's on the other side trying to distort who God is to you. He's trying to, he's trying to distort the image of God. He's trying to make you think that God wants to punish you. He's trying to make you think that God is harsh and angry and just looking for you to do wrong things. He's trying to get you to think that God must be this way in my mind or he's not God, and that's a really lousy argument because it doesn't matter what you think. You see, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This is Jesus talking. So Jesus knows what he's talking about. And, and here's what he says, you know, God, I've done what I came here to do to glorify you. What is glorifying God? Glorifying God means that when you see Jesus, you see God. It reflects who God is. That's what it means to glorify. And, and that makes sense. And when you go to, you know, 
um, the idea of all have sinned and they're separated from the glory of God, from glorifying God. So when you glorify God, basically you're living in a way where you demonstrate that you know him. It goes back to knowing him. I know him. I live like I know him. And therefore, when you see me act, you will also see God because I'm reflecting who he is. J.I. Packard once said in his book, Knowing God, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. That is very true. There isn't a problem that God cannot solve, and there isn't an issue that he wouldn't be able to change circumstance that he wouldn't be able to change. He can do whatever he wants. And since he loves me, and he loves you, and since he has a plan for me, whatever he does is going to be okay. It's going to be right. See, that comes from knowing him, not from telling him all the steps uh, that he needs to be involved in. It comes from knowing him. And eventually you can rest and enjoy the fact that you know God, you know who he is, and whatever happens is going to be right. If you wish to know God, you must know his word. If you wish to, be perceive, to perceive his power, you must see how he works by his word. If you wish to know his purpose before it comes to pass, you can only discover it by his word. Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon knew God. And he's saying, you know what? You want to know God? You can know him. Make the effort. Pick up the Bible. Start reading it. Start understanding who he is. Like, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. And once you know him, you'll love him. Oh, and if you love him, you'll obey him. Oh, and, and you'll be excited about the jobs he gives you, regardless of it's being in prison or not. Remember, the Apostle Paul ended up going to prison. It's like, oh, good. I get to talk to the guards about Jesus. And then... Oh, we'll get you out of here. Good, I get to talk to you about Jesus. And they couldn't figure out how to get him. Recently, um, they were trying to stop this preacher in California, John MacArthur, from preaching during COVID, and he wouldn't do it. And they said, well, you know, you could end up in jail. He goes, new ministry. I can go there and teach people about Jesus, too. I can teach people here in the pulpit. I can teach people behind bars. It's like, I'm sure the government back and said, okay, plan B. It's not bothering him a whole lot. No, because, you know, ultimately, as Luis Palau used to say, old evangelist, used to say, you know, the heart of the king, it's a scripture verse, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and like rivers of water, he moves it wherever he wishes. How do you say that? Because he knows God. He knows the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he moves it wherever he wants to. I mean, he knows that about God. So is he worried about rulers coming down on him? Nope. Is he worried about Nebuchadnezzar putting him in a furnace? Nope. Why? Because the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and like rivers of water, he moves it wherever he wants to. They know that about God, so why be afraid? If you know God, you trust him. If you know God, you live differently. And my challenge to you this morning is get to know God. Just get to know him. Spend your time doing it. Don't be afraid. If you're not where you belong yet, you don't get to know him in five minutes. Spend your lifetime enjoying who God is and getting to know him. You'll be okay. If you know him and you Treat him like God, you'll be fine. If you don't get separated from him, you'll be fine. That's your choice, because he doesn't desire to be separate from you. Father, again, thank you that we could meet this morning. Thank you for this crew. I pray that your spirit will be using them today to demonstrate who you are to every camper. And give them the energy and the excitement for the days to come. 
and the new groups that come in, that they may feel your love, and uh, that they may be able to look at any of these workers and see that, that they know who you are and reflect who you are and, and how they serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.